Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's Miller and Condon on a Thursday, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. As we get back to local programming here for the next couple of hours and appreciate you spending some of that uh, period of time with us. On the BMW of Des Moines guest list today, we are going to catch up on the Big Ten uh, with our friend Mitch Sherman. He writes for The Athletic. The Athletic continues to pump out the season previews. I think they're up to nine Big Ten schools now, uh, with Iowa being the most recent. Uh, Scott Dockerman, who will join us on Monday, uh, he posted the Hawkeye preview the, early this morning. It's a good read. Uh, but what they are is the refresher courses, right, for not only for the team that a lot of you root for, your Hawks, but the competition as well. And when you're out there, well, that's a win, that's a win, that's a win. Okay, uh, but you dig a little bit deeper and maybe you find a nugget or two that makes you at least tap the brakes a little bit. It is a good refresher course uh, what the Athletic uh, provides us with. And Mitch Sherman will join us on the Big Ten West and the Big Ten overall coming up uh, at 1025. At 1050, as you know, Trent and I are committed uh, to community events, to community betterment through our relationship with NCMIC. You are going to hear a ton of advertising on any of the iHeart stations regarding the local farmer's market, but also periodically, as we did um, throughout the with Michelle Book from the uh, Food Bank of Iowa during the uh, the needy times there. There's a need for blood, and the Life Serve, the Life Serve Blood Center, Daniel West, will join us at 10.50. There's a major major blood drive taking place a week from today at the Valley West Mall. So she will join us uh, as the summer months and the need for blood uh, continues to ramp up. Danielle will tell us how you can get involved should you so desire. It's next Wednesday. It's appointment only. So she'll join us for a few minutes uh, to talk about that major event uh, coming up a week from today. Uh, at 11.05, David Eicholt on uh, Fran McCaffrey and the point guard he's bringing aboard. I'm sure the news that just broke prior Prior to the show, save that for a second, uh, we'll come up with uh, with David Eichel from 24-7 Sports. And then we will finish up our regional look at the four regional teams, NFL teams. We've done the Bears. We've done the Packers. We've done the Chiefs. And last but not least, we'll do the Vikings with Dane Muzzatani today. Also sprinkle in some Twins conversations. Josh Donaldson did not look good in the batter's box last night. Garrett Cole on the mound. Wow, he was dealing uh, so much for that. Will it be between the years? <laughs> no, uh, that wasn't it at all. He had a chip on his shoulder and he pitched like it. And we'll do maybe some Minnesota Wild with Dane Muzzatani. He covers all of the sports uh, to the north of us for the St. Paul Pioneer Press. But the news that broke just prior to the program was the fact that Kinnick Stadium will now join, I think, probably eight other Big Ten stadium, Big Ten schools uh, that will make beer and, in Iowa's case, wine available uh, at Kinnick this fall. I think it's overdue. Um, it's going to happen. They are going to cut out 30% of the proceeds. Uh, Trent, you can help me out with this one. Mm-hmm. 30% of the proceeds that will go to some cause. 
It's uh, University of Iowa's Alcohol Harm Reduction Committee. Gotcha. It was formed in 2009. 30% of net alcohol sales will be directed towards uh, initiatives with that program. Uh, and the only place at Kinnick that you won't be able to purchase a, a beer or a is anybody going to drink wine? Oh, there'll be a you few people. So? Oh, yes, I yes, guess, right? Yeah. Um, wine. It's just, anyways, they're, they're going to sell it, but it will not be, uh, it'll be available at Iola Kinnick Stadium with the exception of areas immediately adjacent to the respective student section. Yeah. If the student wants a beer and they're 21, they might they're have to take have a little walk. walk. A little ways. Yeah. They'll be all right. right. I think they will too. They're going to be okay. And I'm going to be okay. There's, have I snuck in booze to Kinnick Stadium? Yeah, mm-hmm. I have. I've done it. What would the percentage of people that have been there have snuck in? Right. right? It's a big percentage. Uh-huh. Um, there's times that you'll see liquor bottles, you know, the little sure. airport ones, just scattered row after row, mm-hmm. beer cans discarded. That's been happening for decades. But for you eons. know what this does, Trent? And, and I think stadiums that have jumped on this bandwagon in previous years have found that this minimizes that. Right. You don't need to sneak in. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're you're almost at that point, boy, just one more and you can't get it in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can actually purchase it in the stadium so you don't have to bring it in. I think it's going to cut down on the binge drinking. You know, as 11 o'clock draws near, as 2.30 draws near and you got a little bit of a buzz, but you want to top it off, mm-hmm. you've got to put that fun meter all the way over in the red zone. Um, I think this will curtail it. Our tailgate spot is... Right across from the bridge, the bridge that goes underneath that has the railroad tracks. We are a four-minute walk to get to the street and get to Melrose. And on that walkover, especially for an 11 o'clock game, right. and I've chugged down a few. Sure. And it's not one for not the road. Alone. It's two for the road. Uh-huh. And you're slamming a disc. But I don't have to do that. And you feel bloated as you're walking in the right. stadium because you just chug 24 ounces of beer. No. Because I can go in there. And uh-huh. yes, is it going to be expensive? Of course. Oh, sure. That's what happens at stadiums. That's what happens at movie theaters now where you can buy beer. Mm-hmm. It's expensive, but it's also part of what you know going into it. I love it. Long time coming, as you said. And now, let's be like our friends to the north. Let's get some green belt in there. I remember going <laughs> in and, and making my way into TCF Bank and having a green belt just felt incredible. They and were now, first, correct? Minnesota was first? It was not the financial windfall that a lot of people believed uh-huh. it was going to be. And I think the same thing here. This, people think this is going to be millions of dollars. Right, right. No, that's it's not, not like sports wagering. Everybody right. thought, that, wow, there's going to be a windfall of cash. It's, you should try and hold 3% of sports betting, 3, 4, 5, somewhere in there. So what I've seen numbers that have been floated around out there from various schools, somewhere between a half a million mm-hmm. And a million, maybe a million two. It's not. It's not program changing, program altering money. But look, you're trying to recapture a little bit here, a little bit there, right? Right. Uh, coming off of last year. Now, I think the question, the the, the next uh, logical question would be, will our friends to the north of us here, not the way up north, <laughs> uh-huh. just uh, the the next county to the north, Story County, will will Jamie Pollard? Uh, try and move that ball along. I think he's been reluctant uh, over the years to go down that path. I, I've never understood, and it's not just an Iowa State thing, I've never un- understood um, the elites. Mm-hmm. You know, Sure, they spend more money. I get it. And um, 
why can they have a beer and I can't? Right. Because they happen to be in a suite. Sure. They're in a club seat. Absolutely. I get it. You got the money. You got a really nice place to watch the game from. I'm sitting out here in the end zone. But you know what? You're no more. You have more money than me. I get that point. But uh, come on. Imagine a baseball game. Well, if you're behind home plate, you can have a beer. But sorry. You folks in the outfield. Bleacher bums. No, 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 no. No, no. You want to drink beer? You got to pony up. Right. You've got but that's what it's been for a I long totally time. Totally agree. I remember the first time even hearing, you really can have yeah. booze inside a Kinnick, inside yeah. a Jack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got to pay. Mm-hmm. Same thing the Unidome. Right. Now you can go up there at halftime and they'll get you a draft beer and you slug that down. Now you got to pay to do it. And that now has dissipated. You got to feel Iowa State's going to be pretty close behind. I right? would think, especially with one falls, it's usually oh, is, as quickly that. as this summer. Do you think it could come down? Because well, these conversations, this rumor has been out here for Kinnick. I mean, not just rumor, but hardcore talk on message boards. Well, I think Leistikow and Doc both had one on ones at some point with with Barda, mm-hmm. and that was kind of. I think Leistikow wrote it in sometime. And I know I know Scott and Chad had both kind of been. Handed that, fed that information, that news. You know, don't write this story yet, but be prepared because mm-hmm. they both had stories out very quickly. Yeah, here this morning, the news release came out at nine thirty-one, and Leistakow's story and, and Doc, I think, raced to the computer to hit send <laughs> uh, because they were both sitting on it as they were asked to do. So that's a good relationship between those two. And the athletic department, that's cultivating relationships in the media, and uh, that's a result of it. So I like it. I think mm-hmm. it's good. What will happen to Jack Trice remains to be seen. But you know you know darn well that now that Iowa has got it, Jamie Pollard's phone is going to be ringing, or his message or his email inbox is going to be filling up with uh, with people asking about that this very topic because it's um, it's not going to go away. Or do you, do you wait till after Cyhawk, or do you capitalize on that on that full house? That's going to be yeah. I mean, and what people are going to be do? drinking on that one. Two thirty game. Safety wise, do you wait until the next? Well, the next week they're on the road at UNLV, right? right yeah, they yeah. are. Um, till Big Twelve play, or because Could be you maybe a little bump. Who do they play first when they get back you, from UNLV? Oh, um, I don't know. Is What's their next home game after that one? Baylor may. Oh, uh, I'll don't bring know. it up here. Think, bring it up because that could be something too. Where sometime here this summer, we're working on it. We will have news coming yeah. at some point. We know it'll happen. Kansas, October 2nd. Okay. Not exactly a hot ticket with the <laughs> no. Jayhawks coming to town, but all of a sudden the first game where you can drink inside the stadium, mm-hmm. eh, maybe ticks it up a couple mm-hmm. of notches there. And then you get it for Kansas, Oklahoma State, Texas, and TCU at the end. Final four games. So what, what does this do for Carver Hawkeye in the winter? For potentially Hilton Coliseum in the winter, mm-hmm. uh, is that allowed? Is it concourse only? You can you can have a beer while you're walking around the con or a glass of wine. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I don't get the wine thing out of it, but that's just you're not me. a wine Do drinker though. The- no, I know. Teach their own. Teach yeah. their own. Um, but a, a glass of wine at a football game. Wine out of a plastic cup. Yes. Well, I know you can buy wine in cans now. Mm-hmm. They're moving up in the world, aren't they? Yes. So, so uh, we'll yes, see. it is available. Carver Hawkeye also so available. So it will be there. Dwayne Banks Field, baseball field, and Pearl Field, the softball ah. diamond. So it'll be available at all four of those Pressure's venues. Pressure's on Jamie Pollard. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're pressing here. And yep. speaking about getting some excitement, of course, the excitement for basketball when we get to winter, coaching change, the mm-hmm. new players, and a possibility of, of being relevant once again. But yeah, just add that little nugget, and you get in there because there's no tailgating for football. Right, Certainly, right. you're not sitting in January in your car, no, no. slugging a couple of beers and got the grill going. You go to the game. But if you can have a beer a half, uh-huh. yeah, get a tall boy, 
right? Well, that's nothing wrong. Put a little that. money in the athletic department yes. coffers. Thirty uh, percent of which, what, what's the name of the um, of the 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 Iowa the University of Iowa Alcohol Harm Reduction Committee will mm-hmm. see thirty percent of net alcohol sales directed to that research. It's a good idea. Not uh, not alone. Speaking of Dwayne Banks Field, breaking news uh, coming in right now from the Iowa Boys High School Athletic Association no. state tournament play. Where's it going to be? Is that right? I'll be making my way to Iowa City for the state tournament nice. this year. Uh, 1A and 2A will be in Carroll. This has been bandied yep. about for years. They had 1A and 3A and uh, 2A and 4A back in my day. Mm-hmm. That was in Marshalltown. Uh, they made the decision to go with the split here. So 1A and 2A will be in Carroll. 3A and 4A will be in Iowa City at Banks Field, which will be a cool venue. It seats about just under 3,000. That's attendance-wise. No, Now we've seen more. You know, there's Johnston Ankeny played for a championship right, one year. Right. I think there was just shy of 10,000. Yeah. There's a Dowling championship. But we're talking about probably a full house. Sure. Johnston, the way that they support their team. Mm-hmm. If we get Johnston Urbandale for the championship again, that thing's going to be banged out. It's mm-hmm. going to be a really cool environment. Now, obviously easier to get to Principal Park. But, right. But still, I think you're right. I mean, the ballpark will be full. If that's if it's a 3,000 capacity, uh, I think you'll get that. All right. So that's the uh, breaking news this morning on the University of Iowa. What does Iowa State do? We shall see if they um, if they follow suit. I think they should. I think they probably have. I'm not going to say no choice. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll we'll see. I know that Keith and Andy have a very good relationship with the athletic director at uh, in uh, at Iowa State. So we'll see if uh, Pollard's part of their program today, or at least in, um, at least they get some answers on that. All right. So Trent, uh, yesterday in the world of sports, we saw a Stanley Cup clincher: the Islanders and that lunch pail group of uh, players move on past those Bruins. I still, I, I defy anybody, come up with a better. Um, a better post-series tradition than the handshake at center ice after these two teams kick the ever-living crap out of each other um, for six games, seven games, whatever. And then very quickly after the final buzzer sounds and one team's season has come to an end, they line up at center ice and wait for the team that just dispatched them to get to center, take off their gloves not drop their gloves to fight, take off their gloves and shake each other's hands. It is incredible, um, the tradition that is the handshake at the end of the playoffs in the, in the Stanley Cup Finals. There's a lot of those traditions in that sport that are just great. You know, this, the Stanley Cup, the best trophy in sports, mm-hmm. and I at one time maybe tried to argue with you, you just can't. You can't. It's, it's, it's impossible. I mean, everybody that's a part of their team, their name is engraved on that for perpetuity. And then you get to take it around. You yes. get to have a parade. Everybody gets a day. A parade in your hometown. Uh-huh. Take it to the pool. Eat your cornflakes out of it. And we've um, seen basically oh, everything. everything. Yes. Kids, I mean, babies cradled in the cup. Mm-hmm. It's amazing, the trophy. And it's just not for, I mean, it goes all over the world. Right. Anybody on that roster? They're from Russia. The tra- the trophy's going to Russia. Ovechkin had some fun with this. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, didn't I think? I'm pretty sure I saw pictures of the trophy um, beside a sleeping, or in this case, a passed out Alexander Ovechkin. <laughs> uh, but uh, that's just a, just an amazing. Now, the NBA last night. Here's where I want to go with you, Trent, because you made a wager yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you had there was a prop and it was plus four hundred that five players in the uh, Suns uh, the the Suns Nuggets game would score twenty or more points. Correct. Every now and then, 
I, I handicap a race, and I've got the right horse, and he gets in all kinds of trouble. And I, I've, I've, I guess, kind of make myself feel a little bit better knowing that I bet the right horse, he just didn't get the right trip. I loved your bet yesterday. Mm-hmm. I love your bet today, even though you didn't win. Look, it was a blowout. The Suns starters, all of which finished, I think they probably the five starters averaged 16 and a half, somewhere around there. Right. Yeah. But Trent, they did not, I don't think any of them played more than 32 minutes. So point being, if this is a close game, you cashed that ticket. I did. And not only that, Bet Rivers also had a profit boost. So not only was it plus 400, it was actually plus 475. No, I threw a couple bucks on it. It, it was one of those wagers. Right. But at that kind of price, you're right. And I thought it was going to be a close game. I subscribed to the zigzag yeah. theory. I thought Denver was going to come back and play so incredibly good. It just didn't happen. And, and that's not going to happen at times. I get it, but I thought I capped it right. I thought the prop mm-hmm. was right. And it probably was right. The game just didn't turn out no. to be that way. And Close game, you cash that ticket all day long. Because one of the Nuggets, uh, probably Jokic, right? Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. the Joker, he had 20-plus points. He did. Um, but he was it. Yeah. Only I, one other guy, one, one other starter in double figures. Millsap off the bench mm-hmm. also had 11. But mm-hmm. it was just a bad game. It was. And the frustrating part, and I watched a little bit of uh, the press conference from Malone afterwards. Oh, did you? And he was pissed about his team. Like yeah. you could just see right. the frustration because it was early in the third quarter, and the Suns went on another run, and they just they I tried to watch it. It wasn't even close. No. There was no intrigue in this game whatsoever, other than whether you were going to cash your ticket. <laughs> right. I mean it. That's yeah. what I was kind of hanging around for. And then when they and they emptied the bench, I knew you because you, Andrew Downs also mm-hmm. uh, took a little stab at that. It was the right bet. It was a good bet. You bet the right horse. You got the wrong trip. It's going to happen, right? It's going to happen. Absolutely going to happen. Uh, So did you watch any of Garrett Cole last night? I did. Uh, And I wanted to make sure that I was watching when Josh Donaldson stepped into the batter's box. Uh And there was a glare. Oh, yeah. There was a stare. Uh It was icy. Um, And I don't think Josh, yeah, Josh Donaldson probably committed a... You know, baseball faux pas, if you will, by by naming him. He said he didn't want to attach his name to it, Mm -hmm. but he did say that after, you know, baseball announced they were going to start cracking down, he was watching the spin rate in Cole's last start. It wasn't what it was, and and Cole didn't like that. I mean, I don't. Did you hear Michael Kay, who is the, I think he's he still is. I mean, forever he was the um, he called yes games. Mm -hmm. He was the play by play guy, and he has a show in New York. Whatever the ESPN affiliate is, they go up against WFAN. But he was—he um, didn't hold back. He—he he, he was hoping that Garrett Cole plunked Josh Donaldson right in the ribs. Oh wow! You want to talk? You can, you can t- come talk to me with broken ribs, um, because a lot of folks were anticipating that Josh Donaldson was going to get thrown at last night. He didn't get thrown at. He got the ball was just thrown by him. Um, repeatedly, because he had no answer for Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole answered the bell in a big, big way. So did you see the numbers of spin rate last night? Because I, that was the biggest question, is are we going to see a significant reduction in spin rate? It happened the last mm-hmm. start after these minor leaguers were in, and will it Suspended. continue? Yep. It didn't. A couple of ticks on a couple of his pitches, nothing that is substantial, up on a couple of his other pitches. Yep. It wasn't a move. So what do we read into this? Do we read anything or... Here's the other part. He was so pumped up and maybe thinking, and again, I don't know the mechanics of the baseball pitch in this level. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you, after you understand, all right, this is when I got the sticky on, this is what I can do without it, I need to do this. But if you're cognizant of it and understand, I really need to snap off this curveball this much more. 
because I don't got the sticky this mm-hmm. time. I need to throw my fastball like this. Four of his fastest six pitches came against Donaldson, too. <laughs> a little it. extra oomph on Yeah, there, a little, huh? couple more ticks there. Yeah, interesting. Um, well, it, it's going to be a story, and I guess the whatever Major League Baseball is going to do, look, it's their own fault, folks. It's their own fault. This has been going on. Yeah, Garrett Cole didn't come across well, uh, in, at least yesterday, or prior to uh, his start yesterday. It didn't. I don't think it. Um, if he had to do it over again, I think he probably would have been prepared for that question more so. But baseball has been letting pitchers get away with this, and all now all of a sudden they're going to crack down when they realize that the offense was uh, being taken out of the game in so many ways. So we'll see. Uh, baseball is supposed to come up with uh, how they're going to handle this at some point in the next couple of weeks, whether they do or not, uh, remains to be seen. But Garrett Cole last night, he was supercharged to say the least he, that those were uh, the uh, plate appearances by Josh Donaldson against Garrett Cole I, that was appointment TV it was a good night of sports last night really good game in the NHL the NBA not so much Cubs during the day how about Darvish getting beat Arietta was terrific Jake Arietta although he I mean he only pitched five innings but um, I guess he outpitched you Darvish, he got the win. Darvish was tagged with the loss. It's not that Darvish um, did not pitch. Well, he did. But the the Cubs got to him at the right time. Rizzo grounded into a double play but drove in a run. Uh, Alcantara hits a home run, his first of the year, since he's been getting his opportunity to play. So the Cubs, after not doing well uh, over the weekend in San Francisco, losing three out of four, they go down the coast and take two or three out of the Padres. After sweeping the Padres, uh earlier last week wasn't that monday tuesday it was early in the week anyways uh so they had a they've got san diego's number the giants at least for now seemingly uh have the cubs number but cubs cards get underway tomorrow and here's the good news if you're a cubs fan and if you're a fan of this pandemic being in the rear view mirror ballparks are opening up to full capacity and tomorrow coincidental or not the cubs and the cards will play at wrigley field in front of a full house and that will be great to see. I don't ever want to see a cutout at a stadium for as long as I live. <laughs> You're done with that. Done with that. I think we all are. Mitch Sherman is going to help us out on the Big Ten. When uh, we come back, again, a major blood drive one week from today at Valley West Mall. Our friend Danielle Steele from uh, Life Serve. Daniel uh, West. Daniel West. Daniel Steele. Who's you, like, you like those books, I think. Oh, she's an author. That's right. No. My wife Scrunch Scrunch probably likes those, doesn't she? She does. That's where I got that from. Daniel West will be here. If we had Daniel Steele back to back with Daniel West, that would be big time. It would be, but we don't. We've got uh, David Eichel coming on after that, which will be good himself because the Fran McCaffrey added to that. Uh, his roster with a point guard with a whole bunch of stars beside his name. We'll come back with Mitch Sherman from The Athletic as uh, The Athletic continues to put out the season previews. It's a fantastic site, folks. We do not get paid to endorse. We do not get free subscriptions to The Athletic. We are just big believers in it. Uh, I spend literally... Oh, I'm not going to say hours, but I certainly read a whole bunch of pieces there each and every day. Um, the Athletic does a terrific job. Mitch Sherman next. Miller and Condon till noon, 1460 KX and Awesome. Now back to Miller and Condon on 1460 KX and O and 106.3 FM. Hi, Miller and Condon, 1030. Welcome back to Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KX and 106.3 
on the FM dial. Let's get our friend Mitch Sherman. He covers Nebraska for The Athletic. Again, as we said a few minutes ago, the state of the program series is out. It's not only Big Ten schools. It's a whole bunch of the Power Five, some of the Group of Fives as well. It is a terrific refresher as you tend to put one season behind you, maybe forget a couple of nuggets, but once you read it, you are up to speed. Everybody's looking at win totals, trying to beat the books. Uh, and get in those numbers before they change, especially if you have an opinion. And Mitch Sherman joins us. Hello, Mitch. Trenton Ken, as always, we're grateful to have you on. How are you? Yeah, I'm well, Ken. Trent, how are you guys? Doing well and counting down the days to kickoff, which can't get here uh, soon enough. But uh, we don't want to wish the summer away at the same time. So let's uh, let's get into the Big Ten West and to the Big Ten overall. Um, you know, we'll get Nebraska in a second, but just from a you know thirty thousand feet view of the of, of the West, Mitch, from where you sit, does it seem like it's again Wisconsin or Iowa at the top? And then everybody trying to figure out who that team that might cut into that uh, that party might be. Yes, uh, I think that's that's how I would break it down here in the middle of June. Um, despite what we saw or didn't see from Wisconsin a year ago, I don't think that program has taken a step back. In fact, I think with the upgrades that Wisconsin's made and its recruiting and the job that Paul Chris did in bringing in talent on a on a level. I believe we'll find out that was a little bit different in this last class mm-hmm. from from previous years. Uh, Wisconsin is is set to maybe not this year, but in the near future, even expand its its edge over the rest of the Big Ten West. And you know, Iowa is is, is definitely right there, and you know was was closer than I think a lot of people on the outside within the Big Ten and and certainly on the national level. Um, realized in the 2020 season to having just a really, really special year. So um, to me, those, those two programs are, are on a different level in the West and go into this season again as the favorites. Let's get to the team that you cover on a daily basis, Nebraska. And a summer where expectations, I, I can already feel them starting to rise. Bill Moose is saying his thing. This should be an eight or nine win team. And by the time we get to August, mm-hmm. I'm sure most people believe, at least I shouldn't say most, but there will be a portion of the fan base that believes this will be a team that wins 10, 11, 12 games and gets right back to their rightful face place at the top of college football. When you look at this team, just a, an overview where they are as the development continues under Scott Frost. I sense just like a little bit of irritance in your voice <laughs> in, the, in the 10, 11, 12 wins. Uh-huh. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that, I, I know the 10, 11, 12 wins are, I'm very, I'm very sure that's not going to happen. I don't really think the expectations are going to be at that level. In mm-hmm. fact, when Bill Moose went on his, his, uh, Husker Sports Radio, uh, show, uh, a month or so ago and said it's realistic for Nebraska to win eight or nine games in Scott Frost's fourth year, mm-hmm. um, no, that was a surprise. I think for a lot of people uh, around um, around Nebraska to hear him him put that out there. But I also think it's just a way for Bill to say, "All right, you know, we're 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 moving to a new phase in this program. It's no longer about the transition for Scott Frost from the previous regime. You know, all of your guys are here now, and it's time to start start showing results. And in, in effect, you know, while Bill Moose is never going to be the guy to get rid of Scott Frost if that day ever comes, I mean, it's it's going to be the next athletic director. Um, He's he's essentially putting some kind of pressure on, on Frost to say, you know, we need to start seeing some results. And you know, those two are are their their relationship is good, and they're and they're they're tied together. You know, this is this is Moose's premier hire, no matter what happens 
in basketball or baseball or, or other programs in Lincoln. Um, but absolutely, uh, it needs to start turning a corner. Um, from the fans, you know, I mean, if Nebraska wins seven games in 2021, I think people would see that as a, as a sign of, of progress and a step in the right direction. If, if, if Nebraska gets to a bowl game, um, if Nebraska is, is contending in November for, you know, even a, even a shot to uh, be near the top or at the top of the Big Ten West, all of those things have not happened since Scott Frost has been here. And, and really, um, you know, you can go back to 2016 uh, before, since Nebraska was, was even relevant on the national level. And that was, that was until about the middle of the season when Ohio State blew them off the map. So it's been a long time. And there are a lot of kids, you know, there's a lot of talent right now. There's an uptick in talent. Um, in the state of Nebraska and in this region around uh, Omaha and Lincoln. You see that with Keegan Johnson rising to the top of the depth mm-hmm. chart at, at, at Iowa in, in the spring. There are others like him who are e- either on their way out of Nebraska or are up and coming in this, in this part of the country that Nebraska prioritizes. And these kids have not seen Nebraska win since they were in elementary school or win, you know, with any kind of consistency. So, yeah, there's 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 some urgency right now. Absolutely, some urgency, and um, it's uh, it's uh, I would say it's kind of an uncomfortable off season around the Nebraska program. Well, uh, September the 18th, we get this longtime rivalry back on the schedule. Uh, Nebraska will head to Norman to take on Oklahoma, a game that meant so much to college football for such a long period of time. Uh, Mitch, were you surprised by the athletic director at Oklahoma, Joe Castiglione's uh, comments? Um, when, when the kickoff time was announced, it's going to be 11. I mean, what did he want? Did he want prime time so they could rub the Huskers' nose in it? Cause Oklahoma's going to be pretty good. Uh, we, th- we think they're the yeah. team to beat again in the Big 12. Although I don't think, um, you know, if the folks in Story County here in the state of Iowa would say that they are, but that's what makes college football go around, right? But were you surprised by Joe Castiglione's comments about the kickoff time and not, it not being a prime time affair? Yeah, uh, you know, I think Oklahoma's used to getting its way when, when it comes to the Big 12 and, you know, matters whether it's kickoff time or, um, you know, league rules, wh- whatever it might be. Oklahoma and Texas run the Big 12, and, and they generally get their way with, with things. Um, I assume, you know, from the way that that statement came about, that if Oklahoma wants to play a, a game at 6 o'clock because it's still early in the fall and, you know, it, it's, uh, it's trying to get a great atmosphere at, at its stadium, in a night game that, that it usually gets its way, but you know, you don't make decisions for Fox. It's just, I, I don't even think Alabama can do that. So uh, obviously they're not playing on Fox, but uh, they don't, I don't think out, Al- well, maybe Alabama does make decisions for CBS. That's, that's perhaps a different, a different story, but, but uh, I mean, Hey, Fox, the uh, big noon kickoff, this is, you know, this is their big game. Right. This, is, you know, this is Gus, Gus Johnson and, and the whole crew um, coming to Norman. So that's when they do it. You know, Fox made that decision a couple years ago to, to put their, their prime time game at noon Eastern, and uh, um, when when the game was 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 set for Fox, you know I I, I had really no doubt that it would sure. be an 11 a.m. local kickoff. So I don't know where he was coming from, but obviously he wanted a night game, and and you know, that was like a to me that was like a five minute controversy. Yeah. Speaking of controversy, uh, this went off the football field over the baseball diamond. So Nebraska gets shipped down to Arkansas. They lose last week in the regionals to the number one team in the country, Arkansas. And, and I saw a lot of frustration, I guess I should say, coming. And a couple of my Cornhusker buddies were saying the same, that they shouldn't have been done there. And it's all the Big Ten's fault for not playing the non-conference. It was a weird year. I get it. 
Iowa fans are upset their team wasn't selected to get to the tournament, even with some pretty good computer numbers. Big Ten, you know, baseball, we've seen teams invest more. Indiana made a College World Series. Michigan has. They're getting there. How bad was it, though, this year overall for the Big Ten? And, and for Nebraska, a very proud baseball program. It was terrible. It was pathetic what the Big Ten did to its baseball programs this year. The Big Ten should have had five or six teams in the postseason and ended up with three. And you had Michigan, the you know, essentially the defending national runner-up. The last time a College World Series was played, Michigan was in Game 3 of the CWS Finals against Vanderbilt going for a national championship. And in, in the months that followed, I realized it was an unprecedented time in, in college athletics. Um, but the Big Ten just, just gave up on baseball. The Big Ten said, you know, we don't even care about the sport. We're going to decide three weeks, four weeks before the season what your schedule is. And, by the way, we're going to be unlike every major conference in the country. We're going to join with the Ivy League. And all of you other leagues can do your own thing. But us in the Ivy League, we're not going to play non-conference. So what does that do? You get to the NCAA selection committee on Memorial Day and the days leading up to that, and the committee has nothing to gauge the Big Ten by. They've played no games out of conference, so there's no common opponent with any other team in the country. The, 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 as, as Eric Backich, the Michigan coach, said, he wouldn't have blamed the NCAA selection committee if they would have put one team from the Big Ten mm-hmm. in the postseason, that being the, the, the league champion, Nebraska, who got the automatic bid. So, you get Maryland going on the road, Michigan going on the road. Michigan gets blown out in two games at Notre Dame. Maryland loses at East Carolina. And Nebraska, the, the league champ, Nebraska had a great year and had a great team and had a coach who was in his first full season who did the pretty amazing things to get Nebraska to the level where it was at by the end of, end of May. And the reward is to get sent as a two-seed in a four-team regional to the number one team in the country, Arkansas, where the Huskers – you went toe to toe for for three consecutive nights, and we're tied at two in the eighth inning uh, with the shot to uh, you know win those next two innings and get to a super regional and a chance to to come to the College World Series, which you know by the way is in Omaha, right? It's part of the Big Ten's footprint for the last decade. Yeah. So maybe care a little bit about that sport. I don't know. It's it's um it's a it's a really difficult thing to digest for I think people in Nebraska. Um, because the College World Series is here, and, and it should be for others in the Big Ten. Iowa should have been in the NCAA regionals. Indiana should have been in the NCAA regionals, and they weren't because the Big Ten didn't give them a chance to uh, to, to show anything to the committee. Uh, Mitch Sherman from The Athletic is our guest. Again, the uh, Huskers' state of the program is up. I believe there's now eight or nine uh, with the Hawkeyes' state of the program by our buddy Scott Dockerman uh, with the uh, most recent to publish, and that came out this morning. So just a couple of quick hitters on the Big Ten West, Mitch, before we let you go. Brett Bielema takes over uh, at Illinois. Of course, the Huskers, that is their first opponent of the year. The game was scheduled for Ireland. It's not going to be there this year. It's going to be in lovely Champaign. Bit of a difference, uh, but easier to get to. Uh, um, just your thoughts on Illinois. How long before Bielema can get, or can he get, Illinois uh, trending in the right direction? Well, if he gets everything that he had at Wisconsin, and I just mean the, you know, the administrative support, which I think he'll get with Josh Whitman, the AD. You know, he seems very committed to football. Um, there's no reason why Illinois can't be a program that, that's a contender in, in the Big Ten West. You know, this is not Purdue. It's not Northwestern. Um, and, you know, Northwestern successful in the Big Ten West. I just mean that, that, that it has some different uh, circumstances to deal with um, than Illinois or Nebraska or Iowa or Wisconsin or Minnesota. Um, th- those programs all should, should have no reason but, but to, to be contenders. And, and Bielema has done it with success in this league. He has a, a blueprint. I think that blueprint is, is, uh, is altered a bit from his Wisconsin days. You're not going to see 
uh, Monty Ball and, and that kind of mm-hmm. offense uh, at, at Illinois. I think they'll be more diverse. They'll be more spread. Um, and, and they have a recruiting base to, uh, to, to find those players. So what happened in year one? Uh, no, I don't think so. But, but um, this is a good hire, and it's, it's, uh, it's a guy with a proven track record, and he's, he's bold, and he's, he's, um, you know, he's fun to listen to. I think he'll, he'll engage uh, with the fan base. I, th- I think he'll be another entertaining figure in the league um, to, to put Illinois on the map. And, um, you know, in a, in a short period of time, I, w- I would think, you know, I thought this three years ago with Scott Frost, but I'll, you know, I'll be wrong again if I am. Uh, in a short period of time, I think Illinois will be a team that's, that's uh, you know, in no way a walkover on, on the schedule for any team in, in this division. So uh, Indianapolis will be the site of Big Ten Media Days. No Chicago this year and kind of takes Ken and I out of that. We, uh, we like Chicago a whole lot more. But are you prepared to hear the Penn State uh, writers complain again about divisions? Because mm-hmm. it seems like every single year it's all the Penn State contingent that wants to do away. Most importantly, who cares about Penn State and their wants? <laughs> are divisions on, on life support, though, as we look at the future of college football and, and the changes in the playoff structure that look to be coming? Do you think with it we're going to see no Big Ten West in the future? Uh, we could. I mean, I think there's a lot of change coming to college sports, and that's you know that's no headline right there. It's it's obvious there's change coming this month. You know, we're going to get some definition. It appears in a very short period of time about what the future of the college football playoff looks like, um, as far as when it's going to change, how many teams it's going to include. Uh, there's going to be change, significant change that's that's bigger than anything else in the sport that we're dealing with with name, image, and likeness, and it just has ramifications throughout the the uh not just football but but every sport in college you know how does that that doesn't have a direct impact on divisions in the big 10 or divisions in the sec but i do think we're at a point um with 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 all of these power leagues where you have to step back and look at it and say is there really a reason like why are we doing this? is there really a reason to have divisions? you know maybe it works better in basketball maybe it doesn't maybe it's maybe it's uh it's a football thing i i don't I don't know a, a good argument for divisions. Um, you know, look at how the Big 12 does it, which is crazy to say. Use the Big 12 as a model for how your conference should structure things, but um, maybe this is the one case where that's appropriate. Put your best two teams into the championship game at the end of the season. Um, it doesn't matter if it's Michigan and Ohio State or Penn State and Ohio State or Nebraska and Iowa. The best two teams should probably play for the league championship, even if they played the week before, you know, fans will still want to see it. It'll still mean something. So um, I, I, yeah, I, I'm, I guess I'll, uh, I'll join the, the, the chorus of, of Penn state riders if that's the way they want to go. And, and that's their, uh, you know, the hill they want to die on in, in, in uh, clamoring for, for the abolishment of divisions. I, I don't, I don't know a great, uh, a great argument to keep them intact long-term, but I'm also not like up in arms about it. And saying, man, this is the number one issue that has to be dealing with. They have, they have, um, Bigger, more important things that uh, you know are on the horizon and uh, and should be handled you know immediately. Uh, last thing for you, Mitch. We got like a minute left. Ten years ago, um, the Penn State got caught up in the Sandusky scandal. Ten years later, here we are again, and another massive mm-hmm. name in the Big Ten in both Beckler and Michigan. I think it's going to be a really difficult next couple of weeks for Wolverine fans as we think back to what it was like for Penn State fans when they a lot of them uh, put their head in the sand and didn't want to believe that this happened at their program. It sounds as though Michigan mm-hmm. State is caught up in something similar and it's about to hit the fan today. Yeah, I remember going to have a press conference with Shen uh, Beckler's son, and you know, I read Dan Murphy's story on ESPN, and it's mm-hmm. pretty shocking. It um, it, uh, I mean, look, Michigan State's been through this. 
Penn State's been through this. Ohio State has been through some of this. Uh, obviously, there were things at Baylor that were that were on a yep. totally different kind of level because it was happening right under their noses in the, in the current time. Um, this is a reality in college sports, and it's tragic, and you know it needs to be paid attention to. And you know, I, I'd say like a great way to you know get me to turn you off on on social media or whatever is to you know just to jump to the defense. Of uh, yep. of Bo Schembechler and or or to criticize the uh, you know the the media who who are bringing this to light or the people who who are who are bringing it to light it it needs to to um you know it it needs to be discussed mm-hmm. it needs to be hashed out um, so that these kinds of things that happened even if they were fifty years ago um, as appears to be the case with some of this Michigan stuff. Uh, never occur again uh, for for student athletes and and people who um, are under the uh, under the thumb, so to speak, of these powerful coaches. No question about it. Mitch Sherman from the Athletic State of the program is up for Nebraska as it is for nine of the other schools in the Big Ten. There's a whole bunch of them there. If you're a college football fan, if you're a sports fan, the Athletic is Trent and I's go-to site. We are not paid to endorse it. We do not get it for free. We are subscribers and are glad to do so. Thank you, Mitch Sherman. We appreciate you coming on. We'll talk to you down the road. Yeah, good to talk to you guys. Yeah, Thank you. Good to talk to you. Mitch Sherman uh, from The Athletic. We'll get a timeout. When we come back, Danielle West will join us. A huge, huge blood drive coming up a week from today at Valley West Mall. How can you get involved if you're so inclined? You go here on the other side. NCMIC makes that possible. It's 1460 KXNO and 10- Art Media. Back to Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Condon, welcome back. It's 1460 KX and 0106.3 on the FM dial. Danielle West momentarily. In fact, let's go to her right now. It is Blood Donor Day. One week from today, the largest blood drive of the year is going to happen. June the 17th from 9 a.m. until 7 p.m. at Valley West Mall uh, in conjunction with the good folks at Unity Point Health. Our friends, LifeServe Blood Center, uh, are putting this event on. And Danielle West joins us to talk about it. Danielle, good to hear from you again. How you been? Oh, we've been doing well. Thanks good. for having me. No, appreciate you coming on. Want to bring focus to this, and Trent and I will commit to uh, to reminding our audience both tomorrow and then the early part of next week that indeed uh, the event is coming up on the 17th. So tell us about it. It goes from 9 a.m. until 7, but it's appointment only, Danielle. And how are those appointments? Are they filling up? They're about half full, I would say. We have 500 appointments available that day. We're hoping to fill them all, and we're almost halfway there, so there's definitely still a lot of appointments to fill. And like you said, this is our Blood Donor Day blood drive. National Blood Donor Day is on Monday, June 14th, so we always have this big blood drive right around that day and to kind of boost the blood supply as we're heading into the summer months. Daniela, I found something interesting on your website, lifeservebloodcenter.org, and it's about uh, a question that I guess I didn't think about, but I'm sure is in many people's mind. The COVID vaccine, if they received it, does that impact blood blood donation? Now, it says right there it does not, but how many of those questions have popped up and people, as we're working our way through the back end of the pandemic, just wondering, can I still donate blood? We get that question a lot, and you're right, it does not impact donating blood. Um, A lot of people think that vaccines or medications or travel 
that they may not be eligible to donate, but really those change all the time. So we always encourage people to give us a call and ask if they can donate. Did we lose you? And they can actually come in that same day and donate. Uh, we lost you, Danielle. Would you make that point again for us, please? Sorry about that. Um, the COVID vaccine does not impact blood donation, so they can get the vaccine and actually come in that same day to donate if they want to. Good stuff. So at the at Valley West Mall, I mean, I'm sure you'll be you won't be able to miss it. But um, where exactly in Valley West Mall is this going to happen? We're going to be in the upper level near Von Mar in okay. a few open storefronts there. So if they enter in through the main entrance near Von Mar, they can't miss us, or we're right above the food court area. Uh, and, of course, the blood that, that uh, people donate here, it, uh, it not only stays in Iowa, it's really kind of the surrounding states, correct, that you guys help. I saw in the, in the release over 120 different hospitals throughout the region, uh, the blood goes to serve these people that have the critical need. Absolutely. So like you said, we're partnering with Unity Point Des Moines. We're their only blood provider and we really support the majority of the state of Iowa and then parts of Nebraska and South Dakota. And what that means is those hospitals only get their blood products from LifeServe and LifeServe blood donors. I know we've asked you this in the past, but uh, a little refresher, if you will, just the time, the amount of time. Um, you know, I'd like to do this, but I just don't have the time. But it's not that it's not that, it, that it's a it's a great deal of time. So from the time you get your appointment, you know, you're all set. We'll say you're ten o'clock on sat on uh, on Thursday morning. From the time you get to Valley West, kind of give us an idea of what goes on and how long it goes on for. Absolutely. So you can truly impact three lives in under an hour. It's around 45 minutes to an hour from start to finish. And that includes coming in, registering, doing your health history questions, which you can actually do prior to your donation as well online. And then your donation truly only takes five to 10 minutes. And then we have snacks, we have free shirts, all kinds of giveaways from community partners at the end. So really the actual donation part is the shortest time frame. Uh, LifeServeBloodCenter.org. You can call 800-287-4903. Is there a, a, um, a block of time that you, that you're seeing you have a lot of openings are? There are, you know, you said you're about halfway to your 500, but is there like middle of the afternoon seems to be mm-hmm. somewhat of a low? What the, what, what are you experiencing there so far? Yeah, I would say, I think the morning time has filled up quite a bit, but really, afternoon lunch time we go from nine to seven so there's so many appointments available still that there's a lot of availability but really i would say the late afternoon times is the biggest chunk where we have a lot of appointments and last thing we've got like 10 seconds left so people will be able to sign up until wednesday or when is the cutoff for the sign up for appointments Yes, yeah, so we'll have our schedule open even through Thursday, okay. the blood drive, so people could go on Thursday, see that we have open appointments, or if they stop by and we have an open appointment, we will absolutely take them to fill that appointment. Good, good to know. Trent and I will continue to publicize this leading up to and including the day of the event, which is a week from today, Valley West Mall. It is the biggest uh, blood drive of the entire year. Daniel West, best of luck to you. Good to speak with you again. Thank you so much. Happy to do it. Good to talk to you. Good luck. Daniel West uh, joining us from our friends at LifeServe.
uh, Blood Center. We will come back. David Eicholt joins us. What do we got later on? I forget. Dane Mizzitani oh, talking right, Minnesota sports. Yes, yes, yes. Our final regional team. Senior moment. Apologize. Back after this on 1460. Where